I went from having no business idea to scaling my business to over six figures in three months. Do you want to know how I did it? Then you're definitely going to want to listen to this episode to the end. It was a mix of determination, cold email, good copywriting, and mentorship. I know, vague answer. I speak a lot about business on this podcast, and I speak a lot about how just about anybody, whether you're 18 or 80, can start one and make it incredibly successful in a few years of hard work. Well, the first step to starting any business, whether it's figuring out product market fit or getting customers, is always, always outreach. And honestly, the best form of outreach in this day and age is cold email. Trust me when I say I can vouch for it. It's the number one reason my business got to where it was as fast as it did. Now, I almost never vouch for products, but I like to share this one with my audience here as a sort of secret tool that if used correctly can be the start of your own profitable online business. It's basically a cold email course created by Michael and Luke, two incredibly well-versed entrepreneurs who had a direct impact in me starting my own business. Michael was a mentor of mine and Luke is actually our podcast guest today. If you want to check out what that cold email course looks like, I do have a link for it in the show description, so be sure to check it out. Now, in today's interview, we actually sit down with Luke and talk about cold email, copywriting, and even human psychology and the art of communication. So whether you're just starting out along your entrepreneurial journey or have been in the game for a few years now, you're definitely not going to want to miss this episode as I promise you, you'll level up your game by the end no matter what. Remember, Nomad fam. We've got some incredibly value-filled episodes planned out for you, so please hit that subscribe button and leave a review. Your review helps this podcast become more visible and ultimately inspire more people just like you. My name's Omar Mo, and this is The Nomadic Executive. You're listening to The Nomadic Executive, hosted by Omar from nomadables.com. Join Omar as he sits down and speaks with leading online entrepreneurs, remote workers and digital nomads about everything from business strategy to travel and lifestyle design. Together, we're here to help you achieve a life of happiness, health and freedom. And now here's your host, Omar Mo. All right, Luke Voigt, the client acquisition specialist. Welcome to the Nomadic Executive, man. Happy to connect. What up, what up? Thanks for having me, brother. Absolutely. I got introduced to you actually through a mastermind that Michael Gardner threw. And at that moment, whenever you were speaking, it just kind of resonated with me. Like you were speaking a lot about sales and clients and copy and just, I knew I had to bring you on the podcast, man. So I'm really stoked that you're here. Cool, man. Yeah. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So cool. Why don't we start from the beginning here for my audience? Uh, how long have you been in this game for? And I consider the game perhaps agency life, right? We're, we're all really all in service-based businesses at the end of the day. So when did you get your first taste of this all? Yeah, I'll give you a quick timeline. So about six, seven years ago, I started running Facebook ads for my parents' construction company out of Dallas, Texas. And, you know, luckily had some beginner's success and, you know, we, uh, for a quick context for generating leads for their construction company. And in the first like 10 leads I got, they closed a $60,000 deal, which I admit like full beginner's luck, but that gave me the motivation to kind of double down. So I started learning everything I could using the commissions they gave me to go 
hire marketing mentors, like fly across the world, join a, a international mastermind. We'd meet up in Montreal and Panama city and in Florida, you know, and just meet with this group of guys. Um, and yeah, I did that for about four years just for my parents, kind of like learning the learning the trade before I decided to start an agency and do what I was doing for them for other companies. Um, so at that point, when you were doing it for your parents, did you already know that you were interested in it? That you already knew know that you wanted to do something more with it? Yeah, yeah. And I'll I'll break down the timeline a little bit more. So after let's say six months of things going well, I got really excited and I was like started cold calling people uh, trying to do it. Right. And I got one guy to give me $500 and I did his stuff and it bombed super hard. (laughs) Um, And I got, I just got discouraged by that. And I like hung the towel. So I I just forgot about it. And then I was basically trying to become a fitness influencer for, I don't know, three, four, five years or so. Just like, that's what I was trying to do. Like I threw the agency dream away because I was young. I was immature. I was like 21 at this time. And I, I just thought that I couldn't do it. I was like, oh, this one thing confirmed that I can't do it. So I'm going to forget about it. So it was like three, four years till I revisited the idea again. And then uh, so about two years ago is when I reached out to clients, actually got some clients, got some results for those clients and really started building the agency. So I'd say two years as an agency owner at this point. I get it. So it went from the parents doing this kind of doing the fit fitness influencer thing, but not really yep. going all the way with it. And then coming back to agency life after you saw a little bit of success with your parents' Facebook ads. Exactly. And, and yeah, and I was learning a lot while trying to be a fitness influencer because I, I built an ebook. I was running Facebook ads, putting, uh, I don't know, I probably put about seven grand into like running an unsuccessful campaign on Facebook. But in that process, I was learning uh, really honing in my craft of how to write to an email list, you know, how to write Facebook ads that convert, what ki- what title on the ebook is going to convert, like what offers suck, what offers work, and doing some sales calls along the way, you know, closing some uh, fitness coaching clients as well. So learning that process. So mm-hmm. when I came into the agency space, it was it was very hard, but I, I did I was cultivating skills that whole time. It wasn't just like posting selfies of my breakfast every day. I get it. You had a little bit of a background there. I mean, yeah. it's it's one thing to go from going on Google, searching how to make money online, and the next day starting an agency without any background. And it's another yeah, yeah. thing knowing about funnels and lead magnets and things like that before you start an agency, right? Now, yeah. when you people, go go ahead. I was just I was gonna go into another question that I was curious about there, but please go on. I was gonna say a bunch of people I feel like come into the SMMA space uninformed, honestly, like. Uh, a lot of hypey, hypey gurus in the SMMA space are like saying, you know, you can go to zero to 10 really fast. And sometimes you can, I think you've, you've experienced this. It's like, you know, it takes 10 years to be an overnight success. Uh, But I think a lot of people selling courses neglect the fact that you do need some skills to kind of come in and and take off. Um, And you don't have to take a long time to develop those skills, but you do have to have those skills. Right. right. It's like some people it'll take a year or two years. Some people can learn it in a month, but you know, you've got to be armed with some skills if you want to deliver for clients. Yeah. And that's really where the education comes in, right? It's a lot of education going yeah. in a lot of late nights on YouTube or courses or anything. And yep. that's what fuels you to keep going forward. Definitely, man. So for your transition then into like a full on agency, did you start off 
running Facebook ads, like doing things that you already knew how to do? Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, man, it was, it was like, I started running Google ads for my parents, got some success with that, then got introduced to Facebook ads. And then we were able to grow from zero to $3 million a year, um, literally running nothing except Facebook ads. It's our only form of marketing still to this day for our company uh, in Dallas. And, you know, we, we had that success and I literally just transferred the system that I built for them, just started installing it into other companies. And uh, that was the transition over into that. And it didn't go super smooth at the beginning. I, I actually went through a good amount of clients before I was able to repl replicate the same results that I got from my parents. Um, but now today, you know, we're, we're getting killer results for both my parents' company and all the other clients that I work with in that, in that same niche. Right. So that's what I was going to ask. You decided after working with the home service niche with your parents, mm -hmm. uh, you went the same way when you actually opened up your agency, you already niched down and went with home service that way as well. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I went super niched, like not just construction. I have a very specific sub niche of a specific type of construction company. That's exactly like the company that we have in Dallas. Uh, we're called a design and build remodeling company. That means we design a kitchen and we also build it out. Uh, so, so that's a literally, that's the only company I'll work with today. Like any other type of construction company, even though they're in the same niche, I say no. And that's because, you know, I'm, I know I've got a system that works and I can replicate it. And so long as I stay in that super narrow niche, well, the system I built can, you know, get similar results with minimal effort on my side. Cause I've already cracked the code for those guys, if that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. And I think that's one of the reasons personally that you found success very quick too, fairly quick. Mm -hmm. uh, simply because like I was speaking to you before the podcast started, I think a lot of people when they first start an agency, like I had no experience with agency life at all. Uh, but and so I was scrambling to offer every service that I think would my, my client would want. And I didn't niche down okay. because of it. I just, I offered, I was, I have a creative agency. So I, I created tweets and blog posts and, and vertical video clips and one by ones and all this stuff for my clients. When I realized all I was doing was building barriers for myself to scale further than the point that I got to. Did, did you even, did you go through anything similar or did you kind of bypass that because you were already niched down from the beginning and yet you were able to scale a lot cleaner than, for example, someone who's getting their first taste of agency life like myself? Yeah, I, it's a good question. I was lucky enough to go through some courses when I first started. I went through the Sam Ovens course and there's a concept in there called the minimum viable offer. And I'm really grateful I went through that module and, you know, in case you don't want to drop $2,000 on it and you're listening um, the, to sum up that module, it's like, what's the one deliverable, literally just, just one deliverable that you can provide that's going to get, you know, 80% of the result. I'm sure we've all heard of the Pareto principle, like 80% of the results come from 20% of the actions. So like, what's, what are those actions? Like, what's that one thing that you can do for the client and get most of what they need, right? And for most people in this day and age, that's gonna be running paid advertisements for lead generation. If, if they're serving a local company, kind of like I do, uh, even in the e-com space, let's say, it's running those Facebook ads to sell that widget, that clothing on Facebook. It's running the ads, like not getting weighed down with the whole social media management of posting to Facebook, 
um, running a podcast for somebody, you know, t- trying to take on way too many things because their head's going to spin. And if we're being honest, uh, it, it takes a full agency to be a master of all those things. So like one, just one person can only really be good at like really good at like one, one or two things, you know, right. uh, unless they're a major generalist. So it's better to just stick to one thing, not, not just for your sake, for the overwhelm sake and reducing overwhelm, but actually the results that you get the client, if you just stick to one thing and hone in on it, uh, your client's going to get way, way better results. That makes sense. So at this point of your agency though, I don't think it's just you, right? You've got a, you've got a team at this point. Yeah, we're a small team. I got, I've got a general manager and then we've got some overseas VA. VAs. So Uh, as you've gotten that big, you still stay niche and do your one specific thing. Yeah. hundred percent. And you know, we're, we're very slow to take on clients by choice at this point. Um, we'll take them on if, if the fits right. And like the bigger we grow, the more selective we are too. Um, I turned down a dream client the other day, uh, somebody I'd been reaching out to on cold email for like two years. Um, and it's because I'd been following up with them for so long that they had a different price point in mind. They were like, I got the email reply the other day. It was like, we're ready. We're finally ready. Right. Right. And I get on the phone with them. They're like, we, we got it in the budget for this next year for the next quarter. Um, we're super excited. We're ready to go. I was like, well, there's one thing, like we've changed our pricing structure. Like when did I last reach out to what, like two years ago? Like we got more popular. We changed our prices and I had to say no, uh, cause they weren't a fit financially, but also like if they're just a hair, if, if they're just a hair outside of that micro niche, I know that it's going to be a headache because then we have to crack a whole new code. Right. So if I'm serving this, let's say my, my niche, it's design and build remodelers. Well, if I take on an interior designer, for example, it's close. It's so freaking close, but it, that's going to be another 10, 20 hours to just figure out the minutia of their offers and understand which photos resonate with the audience, like what's going to generate that lead. So I, I say no, I say no to them all the time. Which completely slows down the entire process of the business, right? I mean, yeah. At this point, you probably are using things like automation and you've, you've eliminated so much fat from the beginning of the business when you yep. first started that adding that, like what I call, well, I, or what I didn't come up with this, but someone else did, but custom work, mm-hmm. uh, essentially like something that you haven't already nailed the formula for down or down for, yep. like that could really throw everything off and you have to do some, some new trainings. You'll have to crack the formula again. Uh, that might change the process, add an extra step or take step away. And I'll, the system breaks down. Right. And right. at the end of the day, we're business owners. So like we're trying to build systems and remove ourselves from the business as much as we can. So we can grow things more or look at it from like a bird's eye view rather than at a granular level. Um, I, I don't know if you agree with that, but that's, that's, uh, I started taking this course by this guy named Ravi. Um, yep. Yeah. And what I, what he's finding some of the stuff that I'm finding really, really interesting. So uh, just my two cents are of what I've been thinking, but I mean, you've been doing this for a lot longer than I, so I'm curious to see your input on that. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. And, and to kind of extend that further, the reason why we want a micro niche is because of feedback loops. And there's a couple different places that feedback loops apply, but let's talk about the sales context first. So if we're taking sales calls, and you're taking them with the same niche all the time, well, all of a sudden, there's going to be something, you're going to be talking to all these people, you're going to be hopefully recording the calls. 
and you're going to identify patterns of things that you say that get the prospect to light up and get excited. And then you take a little note. Okay. Well, when I said this little phrase, they, they lit up, right? Those phrases aren't transferable to other places, other niches, right? It's right. most of the time you're going to be finding this one thing that resonates with this one type of prospect in this one sub niche. And then boom, when you find that little key phrase, I like to call them the golden words that gets the prospect to light up, slap that as your subject line in your cold email, slap that as your headline in your Facebook ad. You know, that's, that's how we use that feedback loop. Right. And imagine, just imagine like how much farther the person who's micro niched is going to go when he's getting all that data. It's really, it's really like gathering all that data, feeding it back into the initial touch points, let's say in that sales reach out context. And then the same thing's going to happen on the delivery side too. So that's client acquisition. But if you've got feedback loops on the delivery side, well, for example, let's say I've got 50 clients. I don't, not yet, but let's say I've got 50 clients and we're all advertising the same thing and it's lead gen. Well, I'm getting 50 different locations of data coming back into me. And this is all feedback that I can put back into each process. So like when I take a new on a new client, I get to take the learnings from 50 different little nodes and put them into this one new client that I launch. So it's going to be that much more successful than if I'm like, oh, I'm taking on a fashion brand and I'm going to do their Facebook ads now. Well, that's my only fashion brand, you know, and I've got to figure out, crack that code. I have no feedback loop in place. I'm not getting any data from no anywhere. I'm points. starting from scratch. Right. Yeah. Makes, makes a ton of sense. I like the fact that you break it down at such a psychological level too. You know, yeah. as someone who uses so much brute force, like if I had to, if I compared my strategy in life to like a video game, I'm a hack and slash guy and I just try to cut through and put brute force all the way. Whereas the psychological strategic ways that you have of doing things, I feel like make all that difference because they stack up right? Something that you, I found incredibly interesting on the psychological side of it. Even before we started the podcast, you said that you're even thinking about how certain words and sales letters and copy can really influence the person that you're sending it out to. Um, I'm curious, like, and I'm sure you've done test A-B testing on things like this. Like, I'm curious, what's the because you are the client acquisition specialist at the end of the day, what is some other like psychological tactics or uh, little different, little word differences or even differences in tone that make all the difference when it comes to marketing and, or selling a product through copy? Yeah. I'll try to think of some specific examples I think like the topic of wordsmithing is always a, a fun one to dive into. And that's like, which little word do we choose here or there? I'll, I'll give you a short example. And that's if you're trying to accentuate how much people are going to receive from something, let's say, you know, you're going to get a coaching call each week versus you're going to get a coaching call every week, like subtle differences, like each week versus every week. What does every communicate that each doesn't? Consistency, reliability, security, right? It's going to happen every freaking week. Like you I would can have never thought of that. 
<laughs> yeah, it's, it's just like little things like that. And if anyone wants to dive deeper into that, you're going to pick up a lot just by one practicing awareness. Like when you're reading things, it's like just asking why, you know, why, why is he using a proven method instead of a foolproof method? You know, it's like, like just kind of asking yourself, why is that headline laid out that way? And, and the second way to really dive deep into this is to start studying NLP and that's neuro-linguistic programming. If, if nobody's familiar with that, uh, a lot of times NLP gets wrapped into the pickup community, like seducing girls and things like that. And it, it can work there, but it's much more fun to use that in your marketing and your copywriting and people make it way more complicated than it is. It's, it's essentially just choosing words consciously, choosing words intentionally that are going to influence the other person's perception of them Ankle. in a way that's favorable to your outcome that you're seeking. So yeah, just, I would say, just take a look into NLP if you haven't yet already. So you mean specifically things like anchor words that invoke specific feelings in people? Yeah, that's, that's definitely, that's definitely part of it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely part of it. I'm curious from like a personal perspective here, if you've, done this in marketing for quite some time where you have an awareness of the kind of words and language that you're using, do you feel like it translates to your overall conversation between people as well? Yeah. This is one of the things I t tell my, my younger friends, you know, who are just, let's say five to seven years younger than me is, is to get good at sales and to get good at marketing because it'll transform your life in ways you can't imagine. Uh, just, it, in in relationships for sure like attracting women attracting uh men or, or like whatever you're into you know people respond to you better on the street at the bar negotiating uh, a car loan or, or whatever is going on like getting good at marketing and sales will literally just open up everything like everything goes better i think every human on earth should at least dedicate a season of their life to, to getting great at sales and understanding at least the basics of sales, marketing, and copywriting. My girlfriend tells me all the time, like some email that was, she was sending to her boss or somebody at work, like she got a better response because of something that she learned from a discussion we had about, you know, wordsmithing or, or how to structure emails. Give you a, a, a quick tangible example of that is everybody who's uninformed will write long paragraphs inside of their email, like blocks of walls. Right. And one of the things when you start reading great copy, let's say, you know, from, from a guy in a book uh, who's writing on copywriting or something like that, short sentences, man, digestible. It's like cup. If it can be said in three words, it's said in two or three words. They're not going on and, and saying all this stuff. Like they'll chop up the sentence, you know, that enter that return, key on your keyboard is your best friend. If you want to be understood, you know, get it, just chop up things, make it easier. Like brevity is key. Right. Uh, and, and that'll go a long way. Just like that one little tip, but that's kind of how copywriting will translate over into your life. Like if you want to get emails read, whether you're at a job, whether you're trying to get a new client, you know, be short and you learn that through copywriting. And then all of a sudden people start responding to you. You can Instagram DM a girl you're into, and then she actually responds. Like there's all these little second and third order consequences that are, are so awesome for, for learning these skills. It's weird, but I relate to this a lot, right? 
because even though I have always felt like a natural entrepreneur, I didn't go into entrepreneurship or anywhere even close to it until maybe early last year. And, but where, where I came from, I guess what my background was, was that I was really, really focused on communication and the ways that I came off in conversation and around people at a very young age. Right. So from little things like that, like even though I haven't used NLP specifically or any of those tactics, I've always been very careful with the words that I choose to put myself in a way that is is almost it's not status conscious, but rather um, resonates with people in a way where they feel connected, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and because of that. And there's there's this interesting, I guess, differentiation there. Right. We live in a world now where copy and sales writing and words and all that stuff matters. But because of that, uh, because we've gone digital in that sense, things like facial expressions and the ways that you hold yourself and the ways that you walk and stand and things matter way less, especially in that beginning stage where you're just meeting a person, right? So uh, coming from a sales and marketing background yourself, I know that you've gotten really good at the written word. How about the other side of the equation where facial expressions or tonality, uh, like vocal tonality or the way that you carry yourself or the way that you walk and things like that, how much do you think that matters? And number two, have you worked at that sort of that side of the equation as well for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I've worked on it a lot. Um, I smoked a lot of weed when I was growing up and I developed a very lazy speech at one point, you know, just kind of like, you know, like talking (laughs) like that. Right. Um, Right. And, and in college, I I went to college for one year. I ended up dropping out and and just getting started on my entrepreneurial stuff. But um, in college, I was trying to start a YouTube channel and I was trying to start this fitness channel. Right. It's it's always been a dream. Uh, Now, now it's kind of kicking off, but uh yeah, so I was I was trying to do these videos, and my speech was just so bad. I was so ex- embarrassed by it when it, it would show up on video, and uh, nobody was mean to me about it, you know. But I, I knew it, it was it was terrible. So I went and hired an acting coach uh, down the street. I was in Tucson, and she was literally coaching me on. I came in and I was like, "Hey, I, I think I want acting lessons," and she was like, "No, dude, you need like diction coaching. Like, you need to learn how to." enunciate your words so she would have me come in and just read pieces of paper out loud and just like enunciate my words and like over the top just to learn how to speak clearly so people could understand me uh so yeah i have worked a lot on that i've gone through all sorts of vocal training just on and off it's not something i do anymore but um that's just a time thing i think everybody should train their voice i think that's a really important thing I think, I think every man should probably go through voice deepening exercises, right? Because man, like a deep voice, at least relative, like a relatively deep voice, right? It it goes a long way in, in communicating authority and a commanding presence and just confidence and, and all that stuff. And anybody who's listening right now, who's got a high voice is like, yeah, screw you, dude. But, but seriously, (laughs) it's something you can, you can change. Like I didn't always have the deep voice that I have now, it's, it's something I, I trained on and it's not something I had to train on for a long time. I'm, I'm saying like, I went, I went on YouTube, looked up voice deepening and did it for like two weeks. And then it just kind of stuck. Like 
you're good. Um, but, but it's helpful. You know, I think that learning how to project your voice is, is going to help you make a lot more money just in the term, long term of your career and also, you know, relationships. Better at life. Yeah. Girls, money, yeah. people yeah. respect all of it. Like it, these little things matter and a lot for men, you know, Definitely. men don't realize this or they might cruise through life, but then all of a sudden you're 40 years old and you look back and you're like, damn, where did I go wrong? Right. I think at an innate level, people like you and I realize and realize this at an early age, hence why we worked on things like this so much. Uh, the first yeah. coach that I ever had in my life, it, exactly what you said there, where you learned it in two weeks, he said to me that if you practice anything that you want in terms of like, uh, for example, walking straighter or, or talking deeper or uh, facial expressions or your hand motions or whatever, if you practice it for a month straight, that's when you'll have to think about it and keep reminding yourself. But after that, it just becomes more automatic. But yeah, it's also something that you can't just forget either, right? Because you can, and at least in my case, and I'm curious to see how you've kind of pulled yourself out from these situations, but it's not like a one and done. You know, uh, I'll have moments now where I'm focusing on my business so hard that I've lit pretty much like been non-existent socially. I've had people reach out to me and I'm just like, sorry, bro, I'm busy this week. Like I can't. You know, and because of that, and because you're not around people and focusing on the social side of it, my copy is getting amazing, but my everything else is starting to dwindle down a bit, you know? So it, it's the ebbs and flows. So how have you kind of um, counteracted that? You know, how have you kind of made sure that your tone and make sure that you're in check and um, I guess lifting that muscle? Yeah, I think I'm, I'm hearing kind of two questions in that, like one's the voice part and one's the part about like life balance and kind of getting off of a uh, swing, right? And, and kind of staying in touch with the things that mean a lot to you while, while also maintaining momentum and pace in business. Right. Uh, so, so I'll hit the, the voice thing. Let's, you know, this is a very micro example of one of those things, but uh, the voice thing, it's just kind of reminders, man. Thankfully for the voice, every time I speak with somebody, I get to be reminded of it, you know? So like if you train your voice for voice deepening for like two weeks, the rest of your freaking life, anybody you hear, like in the back of your mind, your voice, your your brain's just going to be like, all right, what is that? Is like the voice deepening thing, it's just embedded in there. Like you can't forget it, at least in my experience, you know? And then every anytime I talk about it, instantly I start to remember the training, right? So I think that's a hack that we can use for all, all sorts of stuff is like, if you're trying to cement something into your life, just talk about it, like talk about it with your friends, even if it might be a little embarrassing, like, you know, you're trying to remember to not bite your lip or, or not say like in sentences, you know, whatever your thing is, you know, if you just talk about it and verbalize it, then it kind of just sticks with you and, and it's cemented in there and it works. Right. Um, now to balance the question. You, you could also that, smoke four packs of cigarettes a day to get your voice deeper, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm joking. <laughs> that'll get raspy. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, man, the, the balance thing is, is another thing I'm, I'm definitely passionate about. I think that we don't have to have balance. Like I think that, it's okay to get unbalanced for a period of your life and, you know, live like nobody else will. So you can live like nobody else will later. And currently 
like I have no guilt, no shame about not hanging out with friends for weeks or months at a time. Um, now, is that healthy? No. Um, I mean, like, you know, I, I don't hold a huge social circle currently. I've had periods of my life where like literally every single day, twice a day, I'm hanging out with somebody or somebody new at this phase of my life. No, I don't, I don't hang out with anyone. Like I got one or two buddies that I feel comfortable uh, sharing my mental space and energy with currently because, you know, I'm, I'm on a freaking mission right now. And, and that's just how it is. That's how it is right now. It won't always be that way, but I think a lot of, a lot of people are scared of getting unbalanced or, or scared of letting certain relationships fall. I mean, you know, I've gotten extended periods of time without hanging out with certain people and the people who, you know, mean anything will just come back in like, just like nothing happened, like right there and they'll be right there, you know? I resonate with that a ton, man. I, I definitely yeah. the same exact point in my life right now. And I resonate with your past too. So it's super cool to like be able to connect on that. Yeah. 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 I want to turn the conversation a little bit to your actual specialty, right? The client acquisition specialist. So you've been doing this with, with Facebook ads and now it's like cold email and Google ads and all these different things. Uh, before we even kick off to any of those on a granular level, my question seriously is like out of all those acquisition strategies, if we're talking about a high ticket business or even a medium ticket business, uh, anywhere a grand and above for service-based businesses specifically, what do you think is the highest ROI way of getting clients, both in keeping in mind both time and money? It's a, it's a great question, but I won't answer it in one, in one thing. I, I believe in something that I have coined called hybrid client attraction. And that's the use of three different mechanisms. That's going to be paid ads. It's going to be uh, organic social media, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. And third, my current favorite uh, and my favorite for people who are just getting started is going to be cold email outreach. And we could throw in like cold LinkedIn or, or cold Instagram outreach, like any platform where you're, you're just a stranger hitting up a stranger, sparking up a conversation, trying to get them on a phone call. Um, and that's the reason why cold outreach is so great for beginners and anybody alike is it's the lowest cost thing you can possibly do. Being that it's low cost and low barrier to entry, it's kind of hard to pull off for some people. Like if you don't know what you're doing, it can be very difficult. Um, but it's not more difficult than running money into paid ads and trying to get them to convert. Uh, so I would say, you know, as hard as cold outreach can be, it's still the easiest one out of the three. Like literally if you're broke and you're trying to come into the space and get clients, there's nothing better to do because it doesn't cost anything. It's based on sweat equity only, and you're rewarded by your creativity. I can 100% attest to that. And for anyone listening, like I managed to scale my business to, from zero to 11K in a matter of four months using cold email, you know, you so 100% attest to that. Yeah. And you were using uh, Mike's strategy, our business, my business partner, your, your friend, Mike. That's right. So keep this in mind, guys, like Luke and my mentor, Michael, offer this incredible cold email system that they've created. Uh, and it's it's a course and it's also a done for you service. Is that right? 
Yeah, we take on some done for you clients, but uh, typically these days we're just doing group coaching and alongside of our course that we have. Trust me, this will be absolutely life-changing for you. So before we even go off that tangent, I want you to tell us a little bit about this course, right? Because I know just like smiling at this, thinking about it because of how much it's changed my life in such a short period of time that, and you know, for anyone listening, like I don't just recommend or tell you to do things that I'm not 100% behind. I rarely do this. So keep this in mind to my audience. Uh, So yeah, do tell us about this. Yeah. So the cold email course, you know, it's more of a, a system that me and my business partner, Mike created, and it was really born um, by me having some beginner's luck with cold email. I, I mentioned that when I first started my agency, I tried cold calling. It really didn't work out for me. So I threw, I threw in the towel, gave up all my dreams. Then when I finally came back to the agency dream, I started using cold email. And again, I had, I had beginner's luck. And I, I want to acknowledge that. Like I sent out some emails and, and got some pretty, pretty good results like right out of the gate. But that sparked some motivation in me to really figure out how to max it out, you know, how to make cold email this repeatable system that I can use to get more clients and really, uh, you know, out of every hundred people I would email, just pull more of those people to respond to me and then become a deal. Um, So I scored my first 30 clients into my social media marketing agency, uh, running Facebook ads for construction companies using cold emails. And then I joined the mastermind and in that mastermind, uh, Mike became a part of it. Now Mike came in and we were just talking about cold emails. And I, you know, I thought I was a master until I started talking to Mike. Then I realized, you know, like I'm good at cold emails. Mike's freaking amazing. So uh, long story short, you know, he's a, he was kind of a competitor because we, we were both teaching cold emails. And then I figured, you know, if you can't beat him, let's join him. So we put together our knowledge and created a course for cold email, started teaching students. I think at the time of this date, we've got about uh, 75 students have gone through our course and awesome. they're getting great results. And, and literally it's just a one-stop shop, literally teaching you how to warm up your email inbox, how to craft the cold email copywriting and some sales training as well. Uh, so client acquisition through cold emails and it's everything you need to know. And just to give my audience some context too, this cold email system can really be applied to any sort of service business, right? Uh, Before we go into e-com, like I'm not sure if it can be applied to e-com or not, but I know 100% it'll definitely help you land clients for service-based businesses, whether that's social media agencies, Facebook marketing agencies, email marketing services. I mean, it could be like digital art for people. Like it it can really work any way you want. Uh, And I've seen this firsthand because I'm in a different mastermind. Uh, one that Luke's actually spoken at, and it's worked for everybody there. People are getting clients. There's things like you see this every day. And if you're the kind of person that writes something off just because people are actually making money and doing it, like, trust me on this. You've listened to my voice for this many episodes. When I vouch for this, I mean it. Okay. Now, for my own curiosity, in terms on the e-com side, what do you think about that? Can it work for e-com businesses as well? Yeah. So I really like answering that question of, you know, will it work for me? By doing a little teaching of this concept, I learned from the great marketer, Dean Jackson. If you guys haven't heard of him, look him up. He's, he's on the older crowd. He's responsible for 
probably upwards of a billion dollars of sales at this point. You know, he's just one of those marketing mega minds. I got to sit in on a mastermind with him at the beginning of my journey. And one of the things he taught me was the difference between visible prospects and invisible prospects. A visible prospect is somebody that you can search and find. For example, I'll give you my personal example, construction companies in Seattle. I can type that in Google. I can literally just look on Google or I can find a database. You know, maybe the Yelp comes up and I can start identifying these people. They're visible to me. I can search and find them. These people are great to hit up with cold email, cold LinkedIn outreach, Instagram DMs. Cold outreach works for visible prospects. Now, on the other hand, if you're trying to reach invisible prospects, let's say uh, business owners who could use cold email to score new clients, well, I've got to use Facebook ads or some paid ad to get you to identify yourself and become visible for me before I can reach out and start my sales process. So for example, we turn down insurance agents, real estate agents, you know, financial advisors. We turn those guys down all the time for entering into our cold email coaching program because real estate, like how are you going to search and find your ideal target? They're, they're targeting real estate agents are targeting invisible prospects. Now, yes, you could go walk around the street, you know, pinpoint this person, try to find their info. Uh, I wouldn't consider it a visible prospect. So if it's an invisible prospect, you've got to use paid ads to run an opt-in to get somebody to raise their hand, put their email in and say, Hey, look at me, I'm, I'm your prospect. Um, but if, if you're targeting visible prospects, then cold email is going to be a great way to strike up a conversation and eventually score a deal. I've never thought of it that way. That's interesting. Yeah. Powerful uh, there's, stuff. There's definitely certain industries that are always visible, completely prospects as well. And there are no invisible prospects. Like for example, I, my business targets other podcasters. <laughs> like for anyone that I'm targeting, if I, if, or if someone's targeting specifically online based businesses, like they're yeah. all visible, right? So those kind of people could probably scale 100% with just cold email and never have to run a Facebook ad in their day, right? 100%. So to answer your question directly, e-com is fantastic for cold email because you can look up Mikey.com, go find the CEO. That one might be a hard one to find the CEO's email address, but right. you get what I'm saying. Like if you yeah. can find the website, you can find the person and you can scrape their email uh, through various methods, which we teach in that program. Yeah, that's absolutely, that's interesting, man. Uh, and from like the, so cold email, the entire process is like, if I was to really simplify it, you send an email out in a way that's going to capture their attention. And then from there, you have a few more emails that you send out as follow-ups and you try to get them on a call. That's basically the majority of it, where if it's e-com, then you're probably just trying to sell through the copy because it's just not ROI positive for you to probably hop on a call with them. So sending those first emails out, uh, and I don't want to spoil all the fun for everybody, but just give us a small tip of what would make a good first email for a prospect. Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you something valuable, actionable without spilling the secret sauce. Um, one of the tips that I, I shared with uh, a friend of mine, and this was before the cold email course was created. This is when I was just kind of figuring things out. He went on to take this tip and scored a huge deal uh, as a sales rep for a big corporate company. He got their product into another company using this cold email tip. And that tip is when you're writing cold emails, sell the meeting, don't sell your service. 
So what we're trying to do is trying to communicate that hopping on the phone with us is infinite upside and zero downside. So we're just saying something like, hey, you know, let's hop on the phone so I can share a strategy that might help you or, you know, hey, like, would you like to discuss a potential partnership? And then you're kind of laying out things like we're not trying to sell uh, price points or even like really getting into, hey, I want to run your Facebook ads for you and do this, 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 you know, like we're not describing our service. And if you're currently using that approach and emailing people and really trying to lay it all out there on the line and you're coming in too hot, they're going to ignore it or tell you to F off. But if you come in and you're just selling a conversation, it's a lot easier layup, right? It's, it's kind of like when somebody's showing an ad to you and they're asking for an opt-in versus asking you to pay uh, $500 for some widget, right? If they send you straight to the sales page, you're screwed. Yeah. Um, so you just want to sell the meeting, like sell that little next step. And, and that'll go really far to get your uh, conversions up and ultimately score more deals. And I know 100% that works because uh, just an example here of someone who tried sending me a cold, a cold from LinkedIn, but cold outreach the other day. Uh, so some guy started off with saying, Hey man, like your audio grams, grams kind of suck. Like, um, <laughs> and then he was like, uh, uh, I, I know we can do better. And, uh, here's a couple of examples of what we do. Um, let's hop on a call to see if you'd want to, if uh, we can do what we want to work for you. Like, can we work for you? Yeah. Can we work for you? Yeah. That's I mean, terrible. that was just horrible, man. Like not only that, he insulted me in the same email. Like, <laughs> and by, by the way, that's also my service, right? Like that, that wasn't something that I just do for my podcast. We create that for other people's podcasts. Oh yeah. So he's dissing, he's dissing your business as a whole and yep. trying to be your competitor by taking you on as a client for exactly. what it is to do. <laughs> That's the worst case of a cold email I've ever seen. And he obviously didn't even look on my profile. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's my service. He just saw that I had maybe had a small snippet search up podcast and found out that I was the host of a podcast as well. Yeah. So I, I just find that hilarious, you know, whereas that I uh, just to share a, a success story for me, uh, I recently had an email campaign that I think had about an 85% open rate with a 30% response rate or 35% response rate. And, nice. and these are things that I'm seeing on a regular basis, right? So like if you get the campaigns or if you get the copy really, really down, which you guys teach in your course, you know, you can see success, which is amazing to me, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think people discount email way too much in this day and age. Whereas I still think it's probably the best cold outreach form of method or method anyways. Because it's so business and transactional, you know? Absolutely, man. Yeah. When my marketing mentor, he was trying to help me build the agency and he was teaching me like cold calling and cold emailing. And I took the cold calling and I tried it and it bombed. And I took that as like, hey, if people aren't going to respond to me on the phone, there's no way in hell they're going to respond to me on email because people don't read email. And this was like my 21-year-old my brain. And I'm so, so glad I gave it another shot, man, because people are absolutely reading the emails, especially the age demographic that's usually in control of businesses these days. So, I mean, that's where people go to work, man. That's where, that's where deals get done. So emails alive. 100%, man. Uh, now let's talk about the other two here as well. And it blew my mind when you said visible prospects and invisible prospects. I've never heard it told that way. So for someone that has 
pretty much no idea how to run Facebook ads aside from I used to work for this business a, a year ago uh, where I was pretty much hired on as a digital marketer. Yep. Uh, and I kind of honestly snuck my way into that job. I wanted to work a job that I could get some experience digital marketing wise. And I knew some social stuff. So I got in, but I tried running Facebook ads and they bombed. <laughs> right. So like a lot, like pretty, pretty bad. So for someone who I guess wants or has a service-based business and wants to reach more people with the idea of bringing them into the fold for their service-based business, what do you think are some strategies someone could use for paid advertisement and then specifically for Facebook ads? So in the context of delivering for a client or pulling people into their world to acquire them as clients? The second one. To acquire them as clients. Yes. Um, I would say a little bit more on what we were touching on before we hit record, which is to really get your people to believe that you've got a new opportunity and it's the key to their desire. And that new opportunity contains a new mechanism. And we can break that down a little bit further um, by talking about, I'm, I'm literally pulling out of this book, by the way, great book guys, 16 word sales letter by Elvato Albuquerque. If you want to improve your copywriting skills, but there's an example in here and he uses the P90X company. Uh, I don't know the age of your I've, audience. I've used P90X before. Okay, I lost 50 pounds using P90X back in the day. I love it. So th this will resonate with you because they were incredible at using this formula of, we'll say it again, this new opportunity is the key to their desire and it's only attainable through my new mechanism. And we'll break down P90X's kind of statement. And this is going to apply to the Facebook ads to generate clients for yourself. So avoiding the plateau effect, that's the new opportunity, is the key to building muscle, their desire, and it's attainable only through the P90X muscle confusion system. That's the new mechanism, right? So presenting a new opportunity, like this is the future they might have, linking it with their ultimate desire, like what do they really want? And then you're tying that in with the new delivery which is like the vehicle and that's my new mechanism like this is that's the one thing when i'm critiquing people's ads uh i do a weekly coaching where i do facebook ad critiquing for people they always leave out the mechanism what's that new thing like what's the new thing that is going to be uh attention getting and like we were talking about earlier it's going to give that person hope in case they tried something similar it's going to give them hope that this new thing is going to succeed for them. So like right. in the P90X example, it's like, well, I've tried all the fat loss. I've tried all the muscle building things. They didn't work, but there's this new P90X muscle confusion system. Like maybe that's going to work. And, <laughs> and, and the funny thing is it's not even new, right? Like for any uh, bodybuilder that's been around for years or, or the older ones, they all know that's already been a thing. So yeah. That's how yeah. they painted it. Interesting. Yeah, no, like variety in muscle building workouts and confusing the muscle. That's like probably the first bodybuilders ever did that. Uh, it's it's around forever, but like the P90X mechanism, that's that's what sold people. And there's there might be a dark side to that. Like, you know, you're you're kind of like giving people hope and like trying to like say this new thing's the the magic bullet. 
But the lighter side of that is actually you, you are giving them new hope. And let's say they failed a million times before, like you're genuinely providing something good for them because you're giving them new hope that this new thing will work. And anyone who's got any uh, experience in fitness knows that almost every plan will work if you work it. So I got nothing against the P90X guys for uh, doing that new mechanism. And I don't think that's dark at all. I think, it was, I, I, think don't, awesome. I don't either. Honestly, like uh, we live in a world with so much noise that you've got to do things to stand out. Right. Yeah. And you can gain a small edge in some way. I mean, the only ones that are going to be bashing you are the competition that you're leaving behind. Yep. Know? And the people that are getting fed are the ones you want, you want to be friends with and keep around in your life anyways. It's the way that I see it, you know, yep. and I, I don't, to, to get a little bit, I don't know if philosophical is the right word, but I've come to the realization, at least in the past two to three years, that um, not everyone is meant to be in your life, but take an empathetic approach to the ones that are maybe you have that gap now. Like, for example, friends that I had when I was younger, even. I know I've grown to a certain degree, and I know those, some of those friends are still uh, in exactly doing what they were doing before, living the same kind of life, making the same kind of choices. And I don't hate them for it. I just, I empathize with them, but I just know that if I were to continue hanging out with them, that I would be behind too, you know? Yeah. And and that's the way, I guess, to kind of bring that into social relationships and things like that. But uh, don't feel guilty because I know this for sure that some of my audience members have told me this via email uh, because I've discussed cold outreach before on this podcast that don't feel like you're manipulative or doing wrong or guilty for using tactics that bring you ahead. That's just social brainwashing to keep people behind. And the exact people that are brainwashing you are the malicious people that are already made it that just want less competition. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's pretty interesting, man. That's a, that's that's some meta stuff i i in that same vein i I wish everybody listening could erase their existing definition for the word manipulation and um girls would probably throw up like girls hate the thought of being manipulated and uh, funny enough uh when i talk about this concept with my girlfriend or past girlfriends they always like hate it but then like they come to understand it because manipulation just means you're choosing your words in order to influence the outcome. And we're all doing that 24 seven. Some people just suck at it and some people do it consciously. And we get scared of the people who are doing it consciously because we're not, you know, and we're out of control and they're in control. And it's, it's like a spider on the wall, man. Like, you know, that, that person is like aware of everything that's going on and they're kind of like in control of it. And that freaks us the hell out. But really it's just somebody who's chosen to be consciously and intentionally choosing their words to be effective at communication. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a human ability. I think everybody should be developing that skill to the most of their ability and and that should be a quest throughout their whole life to master manipulation um, for, for good manipulation can be bad. Like if you're using it for sinister purposes, like, you know, like screw you, that sucks. Um, But if you're using it like 
for change work, let's say you're trying to help somebody achieve something like when I'm coaching people, I'm manipulating the crap out of them for their own benefit because their limiting beliefs suck and they're in a rut and I got to manipulate them into believing that there's something to live for, something to strive for. Right. Uh, so right. yeah, I, I'm kind of passionate about that, but I, I hope that everybody can redefine manipulation. I resonate with everything that you said so much. Um, there's a couple stages there too, right? Um, so first of all, think that the most genuine person you ever know, I guarantee you that the way, the reason that you find them so genuine is because you're not seeing the full picture of what's in their head. <laughs> like the way they're coming off and things is all calculated on their side to make it seem genuine. Sure. Or it's an upbringing from the environment where people in their environment maybe came off in a way uh, that was incredibly genuine and it, they kind of resonated with them, but they managed to pick those things up through natural osmosis rather than work on them directly in their head. Right. And I think for 90% of men or people in general, to be honest, because girls do this too. Uh, girls do this maybe even better than a lot of guys do, to be honest, but there's different phases. So, and you see this a lot in like the communities of marketing and sales and seduction and all these things where someone learns and all of a sudden this entire world opens up to them. And they're like, all of a sudden, Whoa, I didn't know this was possible with human beings. I didn't know I could do this. And they see a little bit of success here and there. Right. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they're incredibly excited about it and they start sharing it with people. And it just turns people off because oh, yeah. no one wants to know that you're doing these things under the blanket. Right. Then they did. Instead, you'll start hearing accusations like, oh, you're manipulative. Oh, you're not genuine. Like, oh, this and that. Then there's this third stage of people that have been doing this for a long time and have gotten good at it to where they'll come off as the most genuine person in the world, even more genuine than anybody they know. People connect to that person so much, yet all of that is calculated. Yeah. 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 And and maybe not presently, but at one point it was, it was. exactly right. It's it like that unconscious thing. competence. And then it's, you know, like at the highest level of development, you're unconsciously, I'm uh, sorry, you're consciously competent. Exactly. Um, That's so, it. Yeah. And it becomes second nature. It's so interesting to see that path. Right. Yeah. Because I, speaking to you, I know you've been through it and I know I've been through it, you know, yeah. hence, why I, people say that I'm a good podcast. So it's not to toot my own horn, but hence why people reach out to me and say, Hey, you have such a way to connect with people. It's because at one point I sucked at communicating and I, I got made fun of and I was the awkward kid. And that drove me to be able to learn communication to the extent and the degree that I have now to where people respect out of my communication skills. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you master that skill, if you master manipulation, you, you make sales and, and like business goes well. Like you just, you said you just closed some, some big deals in the, in the recent past, you know, it's like, it's cause you're good at communication and you're getting better and better. And you're learning off of these feedback loops, you know, you're consciously becoming consciously competent and, and really just doubling down on it. And, and it's, it's a really fun thing to see. And it's really fun to be around people who are like that. It's really not fun to be around people who are unconsciously incompetent with their communication and are, and are like, you know, beyond just being nervous in their own shoes, it's, 
it's really uncomfortable when somebody like they don't even know they're nervous. They're just like, you can tell that they're completely unaware at how weird they're coming off. Right. And that's uh, looping this back into marketing is that's how most people send out their emails. That's how most people put out an ad. Holy crap, man. I, I see ads every week from guys who are like supposedly successful with like click funnels uh, awards, you know, like making the worst ads. Like I see these people, it's and they're they're completely unaware that their ads suck so bad. Right. And I'm like, what is, I'm like just like, what is going on? Like that's it's so distasteful. And and coming back into the cold email example, like that that one you received. <laughs> It's, that's the worst, like the most uncomfortable thing I've ever heard. Like they're coming in to diss you. Then they're trying to sell you on the service that you provide. It's, that's so weird. <laughs> man, the worst they, one I've had ever, man. Like I've never seen something that bad in my life. And yeah. ever since you, my world opened up because of essentially you, you guys' cold email program, I have been able to pinpoint not only that any cold email ever I've gotten has never been to that degree good as good as that but number two i realized damn like what i'm doing now because of this cold email program is really really differentiating me from like the 95 percent to 99 percent throwing out cold emails hence why i was able to scale so fast yeah 100 percent, man now i want to turn this back around on you here for a second so you mentioned before this call that you just closed your biggest deal today yes sir yeah could you, uh, uh, could you tell me a little bit about that? And then from there, I got one final question for you for the podcast and then we'll close it off. Yeah. So we've got an NDA, uh, honestly, this is one of the first NDA I've ever signed. Uh, so I'm not sure if I can name the company or not, but it's a big corporate company, um, up there a little bit below, you know, like Coca-Cola level. It's, it's huge. Um, and we scored a $25,000 deal, uh, up front. And what we're doing is we're actually building out a cold email course for them. So like we have our cold email course that, you know, we sell our students and coach our students on a weekly coaching basis. Uh, one of our students shared the course with his roommate. That roommate worked for this big corporate company, used our course modules, used some of the tips in there to score a big deal for that corporate company. And they were like, well, how'd you do that? And the guy's like, well, is this cold email course. And they're like, what, what course are you talking about? So they like turned them on to me. We started talking, had like, took like five sales calls, but you know, we sealed the deal. So what we're doing for them is we're building out just like the course we have, but we're building it out specific for this corporate company's sales team. They've got like 150 salespeople. Uh, so we're building out the course, literally modules, like going in, pretending we're in the shoes of their sales team and like, how are we going to score deals for this corporate company? Uh, so we're building that out and they'll own the project. And uh, you know, we've got a, a retainer as well for like after the 25 K is done, like we're going to come in and, and be coaching at a pretty high ticket dollar that, per hour deal. That's when you know it works, man. When big companies like that are reaching out to you. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of unbelievable. You know, it's like a second or third order consequence of the, of the, uh, of the course, just creating success for some of our students and them sharing it with their buddies. And, and by the way, if anyone ever comes into my course, like share it with your buddy, I don't care. Like add a, add a in, share the login. We don't care. I will have a link for you guys to the course in the outro here. And in, I've mentioned it in the intro as well. So be sure to capture it and make sure to go on there. Final question here then, right? Sure. 
So, uh, and I'm sure you've got to get going after this, but it's basically a question that I ask everybody that comes on my podcast. Uh, and it's always interesting to see the different takes of what people answer, you know, because it's relatively different, to be honest. I thought it'd be similar, but it's different. So if you had a billboard in space, Luke, and every single day, everyone on planet Earth, when the sun rose, could see that billboard. And when the sun set, the billboard went away. And it was in some universal language that everybody could read. What would you write on that billboard? It would probably be one big statement. And then I'd have some subtext under it. But it would say, drop the dead weight. Um, Drop the dead weight. And that's going to be in relationships, in business, in addictions, in like people were carrying around this, this lead weight all the time. Like at any moment, every single person on this earth has something that if they just dropped it and let it go and released it forever, they would, their energy level would instantly double or triple. Uh, they'd be more present in their communication. They'd have more fun. They'd be more successful in business, score more deals, achieve their dreams. We're all carrying around dead weight. So I'd say drop the dead weight and, and just underneath it, probably say, you know, ask yourself on a daily basis, what, what can go? What, what doesn't need to be here? What's swaying me down? That's good. I like that. Definitely. Yeah. I think it came at a good time in my life too. So thanks for that, yeah. Luke. It was an absolute pleasure having you on, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Absolutely, dude. Had a blast. Thanks for having me on. Now, that was a super insightful episode with Luke. I've recently come to terms with how connected everything is in life and how easily things translate from one field to another. From communication to sales and sex, everything is intertwined with human psychology as a base pillar. If you understand people, everything becomes infinitely easier including making your first million dollars. Remember, Nomad fam, we've got some incredibly value-filled episodes planned out for you, so please hit that subscribe button and leave a review. Your review helps this podcast become more visible and ultimately inspire more people just like you. Thanks for tuning in to The Nomadic Executive. If you enjoyed this episode, take a moment to leave a rating or review. Your feedback helps us reach others who need a spark of inspiration. See you next time.